the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and joining me in the broom cupboard this week is editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. And online guru Kevin Ayres. Back in a pod after, uh, after an absence. Uh, we'll kick off A-League Round 4 review. Um, obviously, we'll, uh, we'll get to the, the major contentious issues uh, probably a little bit later. But for, for now, let's just deal with the games themselves and the results. Uh, Brisbane Raw, 1-0 win against Wellington. Um, goal from Costa Barbarousis against his old team. That's another good performance from Brisbane. Playing some good football, aren't they? I have to say, they're really, really impressing me this uh, this season. And I had no faith in them whatsoever. I had no faith in Andrew Postacoglu. He's proved me completely wrong. Uh, he's doing a great job up there. Beautiful yeah. football. Uh, and great goal from Barbarossas. And Matt Mackay. Yep. Seems to be the, the guy that's sort of making it all tick. The guy that's been there from the start has gone through the... Is he the only one there? I think he's... I think, uh, Massimo Madoka as yeah, well, I think, has been right, there from yeah. the start as well. Okay, yeah, I mean, Brisbane look good, and they look good, you know, long-term, as in for the whole season. They're, you know, well-organised and drilled and, and tight at the back. So, yeah, I mean, they could have a... Certainly should be tar- targeting finals now, but they could have a really good season. And they've still got the, the, the Costa Rican lad to come in, haven't they? So we've still not seen him yet. Yeah, that's right, Solizano. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, he's fit for this he, week. I think he's in contention he is, this week, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Uh, Brooke looks uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, too. I've been very impressed yeah. with him. I think he's a quality player. Yeah, yeah. he could have been much higher scoring that game. There's a few few one on ones missed and stuff, weren't there? It's a shame again for Phoenix. So you know they they have got such a good team. They've got a great unit, but again they just can't get points. Yeah, on the road, it's weird, isn't it? It's, you I just think wouldn't think it would make that much of a difference. But Jason Piner, uh, Kiwi uh, blogger. Did the stats and it's something like I can't remember. I should have brought this with me. Eight wins away from home in the course of their history. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Well, that was the that was the opening game. Uh, Friday night. That was Saturday. Uh, saw North Queensland go down at home to Adelaide, and again, North Queensland probably involved in the game of the week. Uh, Isaac Cernak opened the scoring. Um, before Adelaide uh, took control, went 3-1 up through Marcos Flores, Brett Studman and Daniel Mullen. Um, and then David Williams pulled one back, and it was a bit, of a, bit of a frantic finish. Uh, pass field up in the, up in the area again for, uh, for a corner. Um, what do we make of this one, Trev? Uh, cracking game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was you good, know, wasn't it? Topsy-turvy. I like the Fury fans coming out in their suits in honour of Van Stracker. <laughs> As we asked them to. Yeah, yeah they look good. Um, that Flores goal. It's quality, isn't it? Mate, yeah. After we singled him out last week. Yeah, you know, really good technique and like a, a good cliche goes, an early contender for goal of the season. <laughs> um, but yeah, F- Fury, you certainly get your money's worth going to watch them at the moment, don't you? And, you know, it's strange after what we were saying pre-season, but they were going into that game's favourites, weren't they, after, after how well they'd started. So um, Yeah, Adelaide, still unbeaten, Kev, aren't they? you know, show good resilience going up there. Um, you know, weak inside... Came out, you know, scored three goals away from home. Obviously, got this help from an own goal, but um, but they look as if they've they've turned it around. Under I Cruz. mean, you, you look at the squad and paper, and you mm. know, frankly, they shouldn't be doing as well as they are. I think with what they've got, midfield and defence, I think are weak areas for them. But they're doing brilliantly, uh, and they really have. They're getting the most out of uh, all the players that they do have, uh, and doing it brilliantly. Uh, the Forest goal was just class. Yeah, absolute class. Yeah. We get to see Van Dyke really firing as well, so I think yeah. he gets a bit of form. Then I think he's been suffering a lack of service up to now, but. The midfield seems to be gelling, and Lecky as well seems to have carried on his, his you know, it's that second season syndrome. That you see a lot of players that break through and have a good sort of early start to their career, and then it's maintaining it. And he seems to have started where he left off. And you know, you you'd probably say that he's not probably not far off a Socceroos call up in that area, in that position. You know, he's probably as good as we've got. If you're thinking that Gita are on the fringes of the Socceroos squad, he's got to be there or thereabouts. I'd say. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think you know it would have been interesting to see f- what the scoreline would have been if Fury had the the first choice uh, instead of those two silly red cars that they got the weekend before. Yeah, uh, I think that probably would have just given the the defence a little bit more backbone and uh, probably kept Adelaide out from getting the three points at least anyway. Yeah. Okay. Second game on Saturday evening was uh, Sydney FC at home to the Mariners. Um, 
Sydney opened the scoring after uh, after a bit of a clangor from uh, young Matthew Ryan, who was uh, dropped in at the deep end after uh, Van Stratton's injury in the week. Um, he pretty much just dropped the ball in front of Ryan Grant about a yard from goal. And then the drama started. Uh, first of all, we saw the introduction, the finally, the introduction of Trev's tip for the Johnny Warren medal. Um, Patricio Perez <laughs> and, and for 30 minutes <laughs> got to say I was like how did Trev know this? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, as far as uh, introductions to the A-League goes he certainly delivered on the pitch it was spectacular um, yeah, he pretty much turned the game uh, won the penalty we can debate whether it was a penalty or not um, obviously Reddy then got the red card and, and he converted the penalty himself and as the replay showed should have won the game rightly won the game with the header Mm. Not after he was, he was a good two yards yeah. on side when the ball was crossed in. So yep. again, you know, with the fingers are pointing at the, at the level of officiating. It was Matthew Breeze's 100th game. A lot of people would say 100 too many. Um, but what, what do we make of the football first? Besides the, uh, let's leave the penalty issue aside for now. Until that point, what do we make of the game? I think Sydney has still got a lot of problems that they're going to have to overcome if they want to make any inroads. They're going to struggle to make finals football at the moment, never mind defend the title. Uh, Defence is shocking with them. Uh, I don't know what the answer is either. I don't think they've got anybody in the squad that's really going to build them can out. run quicker than well, no, I, thought, exactly. I thought they looked yeah. a little more solid with Ryle there instead of Keller and Fox. I yeah. thought Ryle had a good game. I, I think they did, but I mean yeah. they still considered... Uh, not just the penalty, obviously, but they, they considered the offside goal that was ruled out wrongly, um, albeit when they were down and to Trevor, 10 men. You know, Sydney is struggling for goals. When you think that the, the, the goal they got in this game was a, should never have been a goal, really. Was you know, a goal it was a thing. complete clangour. Yeah, did you, did you hear that Graham Arnold um, approached Kalach really? to take over the goalkeeper? Really? Yeah, um, it just, you know, because they, they know each other from, from years back, and yeah, he, he asked Kalach to, to come in and Let's he, get Spider back in the A League. Um, yeah, he wasn't. Press inter- conferences would be quality at least. He wasn't interested. He just, nah, he, you know, he's, he's retired and, you know, he said the grounds are too hard. He's probably seen enough. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. He's, he doesn't really fancy after playing or sitting on the I must admit, until. And I, was sat, I was sat watching this and honestly, until Perez came on, I was sat there, having watched the two good games pre- prior to this, I was sat there thinking, this is one of those games that if you took a, a new person along to say this is the A League, they'd never go again. No. It yep. was it was pretty dire until until Perez <laughs> well, that came a few on. Times. And, yeah, you know, which is a shame because because I, I thought that you know the other games this week um, were all pretty good adverts for the A League, and, and unfortunately, going to see the the double winners at the moment isn't really um, delivering. It's an no. ordeal rather than uh, yeah. anything else. All right, let's let's deal quickly from a. From, let, let's forget about the FFA's reaction. Let's deal with the penalty. Did we think it was a penalty at the time? No, mm. you didn't think it was a penalty at no. the time. Did you think it was a so, by that regard, completely wrong decision, wrong red card. Yeah, okay, yep. Yep, I agree. Yeah, Didn't think it was a penalty, saw the replay straight after, and didn't think it was a penalty then. Okay. I must admit, my first reaction was I thought it was a penalty. And um, I, thought that we, I thought he did touch him. I did think he milked it, but he's not alone in, in that. Um, I do find this, you know, the frustrating that, as we, as we talked about before, is that it does seem that like people can't actually go down the box now without there being a card and a red card and that double whammy but but we'll talk about the FFA's reaction to that obviously I'm outvoted here so the, the, the consensus was it wasn't a penalty um, Gold Coast let's move on to Gold Coast Melbourne uh, Robbie Cruz scored a neat neat finish rounded the keeper uh, tough angle um, three and a half thousand there just over in the one side of the ground that was open and Gold Coast, another side that are struggling for uh, to, to find their form at the moment. Yeah, another top three side last season that aren't doing well. That Robbie Cruz finish was one of those. I thought it was a cracking finish. Mm. But it's one of those ones if he'd missed, everyone would have gone, oh, we would have won if Robbie Cruz hadn't missed that open goal. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was a really good finish. But Gold Coast, yeah, I mean, it's not a great time to be one of their few fans, is it? Kev, have you, you know, what, looking at the Gold Coast this year, have they really got started yet? I sort of feel like they, they don't. No, like they started really... last season as well. Well, they yeah. missed a week, didn't they? They had, a, they had the second week off, and you sort of wonder whether those weeks off might might disrupt teams' rhythms this season. They've got another week off coming yeah. up as well. I mean, they're going to have t- two buys in the first five weeks, I think it is. Um, they're not firing. It's probably going to play in the hand, into their hands better now, to be honest, because they lost smelts, and this will give uh, GTA a bit of time to, yeah. to bed into the new side. 
Um, whether he's going to be the smelt school machine for them is debatable. He's certainly not uh, given any indication in his previous career that he would be. I mean, you team him up with Burns at Adelaide, and yeah, he was fantastic. But you take those two apart, and they just he, Gita doesn't seem to work with anybody else in the same way. I find. Um, I think he's got a lot to prove. I think I think he's another one of those players that has done very well by not being in Australia. Mm. That, that he's, you know, he's one of those players whose who's legend seems to get better because the fewer people see him. <laughs> as soon as someone's seen him play football, it's not so good. I think there's worse offenders than that, and I think a oh, few no. of them have been found out uh, as well since that, since they came back. But yeah. And Melbourne, much-needed win for them. They need to get back to winning ways. Um, it was good to see the, the pass come through from Carlos as well for the... Uh, a Robbie Cruz goal. Yeah, uh, that's the kind of touch that's been missing, I think, from him up to now in this season. Those and two are important to him as well, and the Hernandez and Cruz. Yeah, I thought Cruz's goal was spectacular. That yeah. was as, as easily as good as the the Flores one. Yeah. In terms of just keeping your head, keeping focused, not going to ground, finishing it. I thought it was brilliant. And the final game of the week was uh, was at Amy Stadium, Melbourne Heart two, Perth Glory two. Uh, Gerald Seabon uh, opened the scoring with a penalty another one that you could argue was you know yep. okay let's talk about that uh, you know, I mean okay the, again there was contact from Sekolovsky he mm. did reach across but when Terra throws himself to the ground that wasn't as a result of that contact that was, a, that was a good step or two after that absolutely I mean I actually went back last night the night before and just replayed the goal again just to see because I've in my head, I'd suddenly started thinking, wait a minute, it was a contact outside the box. It wasn't. It was inside yeah. the box. There was contact. He, but he did go to ground far too easily. But he uh, also went to ground far too late, I felt, after the contact. Absolutely. The contact is there. He's taken another two steps and then realised he's not going to get the ball yeah. in any sort of position. So then flings himself to the ground. I would say, what is the difference between that and the Perez you're both trying to cheat the ref, aren't you? It's I agree. Simulation yeah. in both cases, isn't it? I think All you've cases. also got to see it in the context of his appeal just a couple of minutes beforehand, too. Mm, putting the pressure on the ref. Putting the pressure on the ref. You know, you can't just keep going down the box, bombarding the ref with appeals, playing the law of statistics that eventually is going like to give you. It's like cricket, isn't it? When they when they crowd the bat and they're appealing for every single bat pad in yeah, the hope yeah. that eventually they'll put the, the the umpire under so much pressure that he gives one. Yeah, it's crap, and you know the ref really just has to keep saying play on, play on, and not boat it. And if some of them go through, then tough you should yeah. if you stay on your feet people are going to believe you more if yeah. you do go down uh, okay so let's finish off this game Michael Moroney um, got Perth back in the game with an own goal uh, Nick Calmar then put in the lead and then the, there was another late penalty um, Michael Baird and I think this is probably the, the clearest one. There's less discussion over this. Yeah, there's less discussion. There. It was a dive. Um, I say, I'm not sure if that's simply because of the <laughs> state's prejudice, though, to be honest. But I, I didn't see there was, a, there was any real contact apart from, you know, just a normal it contact. Would, it it, of, it of, seemed of, to be a pretty brushing contact. Yeah. But by the same token, I don't think there was any contact at all in the Perez case. And as we'll talk about later, it turns out, in my opinion, there probably was. Yeah. I still don't think it was a penalty. But, but with the, this case, if you, it's not been subject to the same kind of scrutiny, I think, as the Perez case has. And I'm not willing to call. He's come out so vehemently against it. What put me off, though, was the smile. The smile at yeah, the back slapping, you know, celebrating. Celebrating. Exactly. Like, and you, that, know. you know, even if he did go to ground, even if he was brought down, if you're going to celebrate that afterwards, just getting the spot kick... Nah, take but, the spot but, kicker back off. But the other thing I kept, and we talked about this with the week before in the do when the players were booked for diving, and I've got a point about that. We'll come back to that in a minute. But do we, you know, I, I don't want football to get to the point where the differentiation between is it a foul or not is whether there was contact. Yeah. You, know, you can have contact and it not be a foul yeah, and not be a penalty. Yeah, and, and in my view, the Baird one was two players sort of like just pushing off each other to try and go for the ball, Bed throws himself on the ground and we say, well, there was contact. Yeah. You know, that's that's just a sad... I don't want the game to go that way. Oh, where Where not. people are just like this, afraid to touch anyone. No, because, I mean, then what you end up is a game where the whole point of it is to race into the box with the ball. If you can get into the box with the ball, then you yeah, get a penalty. And, and there might well be contact with a defender who's running alongside you, yeah. but that doesn't make it a foul. It's a contact. And it certainly sport. doesn't make it a red card. But also, yeah. you know, and sometimes there can be contact in the box 
the attacker goes down, it's not a penalty and it's not simulation. Yep. Yeah. You know, yep. And that's, that's yeah. the other danger is that we're, we're potentially branding every forward that does go down that, that where there isn't a penalty, a cheat. Definitely. You know, and, yeah. I, and I just think we're in this really dangerous spot. We've, got, where, we've gone into this polarised black and white situation. Where every time there's an incident in the box and there's a, there's a decision to be made, it's either a cheat or a penalty and a red card. Yeah. And that's where we seem to be going at the moment. Sometimes people can just stumble accidentally. Yeah. You know, um, and sometimes people can try and stay on their feet but not be able to and go down. Doesn't yeah. mean it's a penalty, doesn't mean he's a cheat. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Fowler dispatched penalty, which was which was good for him. Got him off the mark. Um, his best performance for Purple, isn't it? Yeah, I mean Bolton made a cracking save for him, didn't he? he from did, that yeah, half yeah. volley, where they, oh, Fowler couldn't believe it. I think he thought it was here <laughs> as soon as he did it. <laughs> uh, so it was good to see him get off the mark, albeit in uh, in um, contentious circumstances. So that's the roundup of what happened on the pitch. Uh, that leaves us in a situation where after four games. Perth Glory are top, uh, joint top with Adelaide United, both on eight points. Uh, Glory just shading it on goal difference at the moment. Sydney SC bottom, although they are uh, joint bottom with Gold Coast, Newcastle, Melbourne and Sydney. But there's still only two wins separating the top from bottom, as always seems to be the case in the A-League. Uh, leading the goal scoring charts, we've got on two, we've got Chris Greenacre, Chris Grossman, Eiffel, Jelic, Musket, Payne, Schmelz, Dajowski, Ian Ramsey and David Williams. So Greenacre up there. Chris Greenacre. He comes first. Chris, there he is. <laughs> uh, so that's a round-up of uh, round four. We'll be back after this break to discuss some of the news from our uh, website, au.442.com, with the man that breaks most of the news, Kevin S. The season starts here with 442's ultimate companion to the big kick-off. Every A-League and EPL team is profiled complete with all the fixtures, stats and expert opinion you need. Hear the views of Fox Sports Match Day Saturday team on the coming season and enjoy our look forward to the start of league action in Spain, Germany and Italy. Plus, we go one-on-one with Liverpool legend and TV super pundit Mark Lawrenson. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're going to uh, focus on some of the, and what was, as always, a busy news week. Uh, we're going to focus on some of the top stories from our website, au.442.com. We'll start with the European deadline day. Uh, one mover and one non-mover from the Socceroos. Uh, David Carney uh, has joined Blackpool, the English Premier League uh, from FC Trente. Uh, went through moments before the 6pm deadline. Um Good move. I think it will. Uh, potentially, you know, he's probably got a great chance of getting regular first-team football. Stephen Craney's in the position that he's looking to uh, take over, and apparently he's not too highly rated amongst fans. So, Carney looks like he's a pretty good chance to get in there. Do we think they're signing him as a left back or a left-sided midfield player, Trev? Hopefully, a left back, because I couldn't see that's where he's, he might fit in with the Socceroos with Chipperfield retiring now. Um, so yeah, that's hopefully where he gets a gets a game. Interesting how late these deals go through, isn't it? Yeah. Not just us that are scrambling at deadline days. It was uh, not only late in going through; it was fully 24 hours before it was finally confirmed by the mm. FA as well. <laughs> three o'clock in the morning. I happen to know that because I was still up at three o'clock in the morning, waiting for the Socceroos game to start. I had a mad dash. I got my dates wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Quarter past four in the morning. Switch on Foxtel. <laughs> Tennis. Tennis. Oh, rugby. Dear. Anyway, we'll be previewing the Socceroos games. Started writing end. a blog how Fox aren't even showing Socceroos <laughs> games anymore. Yeah. So, come on, I know it's a small friendly. Fox but... trying to bury football. <laughs> it's Channel 7 all over again. Uh, okay, well, I, I, think it's, I think it's a pretty good move for Carly because um, the good thing is that Blackpool are trying to play football. They probably, you know, as we've seen at Arsenal, they will get a few Tonkins this season. Yeah. Um, but they seem to be trying to play the right way. Um, Holloway seems to be a uh, you know. I'd go there for that reason. We should actually get in touch with Kyle and tell him to to write down his best Holloway quotes yeah. for the season. <laughs> we'll do a compilation of them at the end of the year. Um, and one soccer career that didn't get the move he was, he'd been looking for was Mark Schwarzer. Uh, Fulham dug their heels in uh, and said that he wasn't available at any price, which. Um, Kev, how did you read this one? I, I think that seems to be a bit of a shame to me. I think it's a bit... It, it really is, and I'm sure you'd be heartbroken over it. It's yeah. his last big chance to really play for a, one of the big four. 
it's it's not going to happen again for him in his career. Um, but I think Fulham were on the verge of letting him go, but the Shea Given deal from Manchester City fell through, right. which didn't give them any cover, uh, and they had to bring the, the shutters down on it. I think Mark Hughes' appointment probably didn't help, you know, especially knowing what Hughes is like. He would have come in and he's not going to go, you know, I'm not going to sell one of my best players for not a you know, massive amount of money because of his yeah, age. Yeah, you sort now. of get a feeling that Roy Hodgson's a little bit more sort of pragmatic than that, don't you? And he, he would have, yeah, I think he'd already sort of said, well, you know, someone at Mark's age, these chances don't come along that often. Yeah, and, you know, it's if a little bit more experience. If we looking for, we wouldn't stand in his way. And I think... Yeah. I just felt that uh, that Fulham moved the goalposts a little bit on him, and that initially they they were holding out for more money, which I believe Arsenal then came back and at the end agreed, and then they said, well, it's, he's not for sale at any price now. Well, Hughes was denying that actually. He, uh, overnight, he was saying that the there wasn't a, a um, last minute bid from Arsenal right. uh, on deadline day. But you know, uh, interestingly enough, there was uh, talk coming out from uh, Arsenal fans that uh, Schwartz did a medical with uh, Arsenal. Uh, and failed it first time round. I'd heard uh, that rumour as well. I never, uh, never actually saw it reported as fact anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's still coming from the Arsenal fans only. Uh, but then came back, did a second medical, and passed with flying colours. Uh, which, yeah. But at 37, you know. Mm. Yeah, well, it's a shame because it would have been nice to have seen, that, seen one of the Aussies at, at one of the big four in the Champions League. And obviously, David Carney is no longer now the, the second Australian in the Champions League. We've only got one. Because we said last week, didn't we? Scott Chipperfield joined David Carney as the only mm. two Aussies in the Champions League, and mm. now he's gone. Shame for Arsenal as well. I don't, you know, I've, I thought they looked good in early stages. Arsenal, and if they had a decent keeper, they might have made a, a decent run for the title. But I can't see it happening now. To be honest, though, I mean, I'm surprised Arsenal were pursuing Schwarzer that keenly. I would have thought it would have been more in Wenger's mentality to, yeah. you know, find a, a younger keeper. It's an unvenger yeah, signing, I, isn't I it? Think it is he, but so. I just think I mean, he, gap, he knows that he needs someone who can come in now and yeah. perform in the Premier League, but also a certain type of keeper. Yeah. You know, like someone who is, you know, six foot four, six foot five, and is going to command their box because they don't seem to have central defenders who do that. So mm. I think he's realised that, yeah. you know, he needs a keeper that can do that. Uh, all right, moving on, um, some of the other news uh, more locally. Nicky Ward has uh, left Melbourne Victory and joined uh, Wellington Phoenix. Now, Nicky Ward obviously has been kicking around, started in the A-League, went over to QPR, a couple of places in the UK, came back. He's still only 25. Um, he was their young marquee, wasn't he, at Melbourne? Yeah, well, he was a young player of the year, wasn't he? He was, uh, yeah, Season was one. Perth, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, Trev, what do you think of this move? Um, yeah, he's, he's someone that hasn't really kicked on from his Perth days, hasn't he? He was a little bit disappointing at Melbourne. Furiously inconsistent, you know. Had had these, and that during a game he'd be inconsistent. He'd have these moments of, you know, genuine quality and these moments of really poor performances. But I think for him, that's that's a reasonable move. You know, going to going to a settled team with Ricky there and the players he's got, and yeah, yeah. could, could improve again. I think it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, I think a lot of the victory fans, uh, many of them, seem to be quite pleased to see the back of him. Yeah, I get that they thing, just man. don't think he's uh, achieved anything that uh, he should have done for them. Um, I think it's also interesting, Ricky. He's going to see he's going to be with Ricky Herbert because I think he is a very calming, avuncular influence and can maybe bring the best out in him. Uh, yeah. Uh, but he's never been the same since he cut his hair. Should never cut his hair. Going <laughs> a beard, it's all gone wrong. Yeah. Um, now this is an interesting one that's just gone up this morning from Aiden, which was Hart defender Michael Beecham has just begun running on his injured ankle and says it's touch and go whether he'll play on Saturday. Now he's just pulled out the Socceroos squad through injury. Yeah. What the hell is he doing playoffs? Potentially playing on well. Saturday. Yeah, I suspect it's possibly got better quicker than he was anticipating or That's simply the Ruse medical team just didn't want to take any chances with him thought you know the flight over there the the whole pressurisation depressurisation of the cabin can play havoc with any slight injuries really? uh, you can get I just thought that was odd I was like you know it's like I, when I he's not well, fit for the soccer Ruse but he's going to play on Saturday for Phil. It's, it's, it's a bit like an Alex Ferguson Manchester United player you know yeah, can't yeah, make England but, but oh, it's alright for Saturday it'll be right on Monday night <laughs> yeah. the tactical groins yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was surprised at that, but it looks like he's 50-50 to play this weekend. I'm not sure how Holger will uh, will take that. But anyway, um, Aidan again, been on fire this week. Uh, came up with this story from uh, from Richie Hinton from Elite Sports uh, in Melbourne, who has suggested a uh, quite innovative and left-field idea 
um, which is uh, a, a draft camp for African players. Um, what do you think about this idea? It's it's an interesting idea. I mean, I think uh, you know the the Africans we've got in the A League at the moment have really shown great promise and been some good pickups there. Uh, so you know there is talent out there that we aren't mining. It is expensive. It is difficult to to get around Africa. Maybe this is one way of uh, achieving that. Yes, yeah. seeing the talent on show. Yeah, in principle, great idea. I think African players, ha- you know, traditionally have the attributes that would fit into the A League, and they could start playing well straight away. So, yeah, if, if they get the right funding and it works, then. No, I, I, think, I mean, there's a few people that, that sort of shot it down on the forums, but I, I think we should look at, you know, any sort of ideas in which we can, um, you know, in which we can help the A League. And yeah. I think the, you know, we know that A League clubs are not awash with money. They're not going to be sending coaches around the world on, on you know, scouting trips here, there and everywhere. So if we could bring all the talent together in one place and say, right, you know, you just have to go once and see 200 players, I think that's a, that's a, good, uh, a good compromise. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the other continents as well. South America is very, very hit and miss for hey, talent spotting. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, we've had more misses than hits. Asia although it's on a doorstep, it's actually much more expensive than people realise. You know, these people are on pretty good wages. Yeah. If well, we've seen, any, we've if seen the Aussies talent. go the other way because exactly. for yeah. more money to yeah. career and play. Yeah. No other reason than that. So, you know, Africa's, a, and Europe's completely out of the question, pretty much. So Africa's, uh, yeah, one of the... What about cool. Pacific Islands draft? Did that work? Yeah. <laughs> There'd be no shortage of people get, queuing up to go. Get American Samoa's best <laughs> Mir- player. Miron would be there <laughs> in his linen suit. <laughs> uh, the, and the last one was um, a professional. The PFA announced. Uh, PFA had a busy week this week, but uh, in amongst it, they announced their uh, nominations for the Footballer of the Year. Um, so they and this will be announced at the Australian Football Awards, which we will be at, and I'm sure we will be. Twittering live from the uh, from the awards, uh, Tim Kale is among the nominations. Also included is Mark Schwartzer, Mark Bresciano, Scott Chipperfield, Luke Wilkshire, Harry Kuehl, Josh Kennedy, Brett Holman, and Jason Kalina. Um, the three A League base players were uh, Carlos Hernandez uh, and Shane Smeltz and Simon Colosimo. How do you see this one going? Well, this is this is the voted by the players. Yep. Uh, usual suspects, isn't it, in it terms is, of nominations? <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't really change much. Does it? We could have picked those, I think. <laughs> um, in terms of who's going to win. Brett Holman a bolter, do you think? Uh, very possibly. I mean, based on his World Cup, uh, a, I would say he's probably the one who's shone most out of them all. Uh, a, Tim Gahill probably walk away with it again. Though. Yeah. Bresciano didn't do anything much at the World Cup at all, apart from walked past Graham Arnold in spectacular fashion when he was substituted. Should you uh, win the, for that? And the, <laughs> there was also the nominations announced for the PFA Harry Kuehl medal, which is for players under 23. And nominees for that were Dario Vidasic, Nikita Rukovica, Reese Williams, Tommy Orr and Shane Lowry. Mm. Yeah. My question to this, right, is if this is a poll of all, all Australian professionals registered with the PFA or play. I mean how many of the people in the A-League have seen Shane Lowry play for mm. Villa Reserves yeah. and on loan to Plymouth and so, yeah, it's like the names pretty much it's you know a lot of these overseas players get cult status and because we never see them we've seen on the forums haven't we I'm exactly. a Villa fan and I've never seen Shane yeah, Lowry play uh, I've, I've, heard, I've heard reports on the forums about how he's played in the reserves how he's getting on you know, on loan and that but yeah. Um, oh, and also um, from a local perspective, Robbie Cruz, Lee Broxham, uh, Mitch Langerak, uh, Ben Kantorowski, and Matthew Lecky. Mm. Of those, for me, I'd, Ma- Matthew Lecky would be my pick. I reckon, those. yeah, he'd probably be mine too. Yeah. Uh, and a women's football of the year, um, they're establishing that as well. Um, so that, that's a, another good initiative from the PFA, recognising the women's game. Now, one story, final story, that wasn't on our site, and I'm very pleased to say that it wasn't on our site because uh, I would have taken it off, Which, uh, and we'll call this the Ron Barassi Award for ridiculous uh, coverage of football, goes to Jessica Halloran Whee. of the Sunday <laughs> Telegraph, who I'm sure this appeared in the paper it's like, ancient. like two it's or three weeks ago because it's talking about the fact that the... Um, that the FIFA delegation was in town last week, uh, but it only went on the website this week. 
and it talks about uh, us being rocked by the setback of the shocker that uh, Mohammed bin Mamam has promised his vote to Qatar. Now, I would say that the first rule about writing about the World Cup, the Olympics, or anything like this, is to understand how the process works. Uh, and obviously, for those people in the know, the process works that people are eliminated through rounds of voting. So nobody is surprised that Bin Amam is going to vote for Qatar in the first round of voting. And the hope, obviously, is that Qatar get knocked out and then his vote moves to another Asian bidder, which hopefully will be Australia. So, Jessica, do us all a favour, love. Do a bit of homework first. Um, there's no surprise in this. It's not a setback to the bid, and everyone knew that. In fact, if there was an Australian on the FIFA Executive Committee, would be we would be up in arms if he wasn't voting for Australia in the first round of voting until Australia didn't have a chance of winning it. So there we go. That's the final. She never heard of Wikipedia? She <laughs> well, exactly. research? It's not difficult, is it? Oh. It really isn't <laughs> that hard. I love the way they always manage to tie in $45.6 million oh, no. into oh. any story about the World Cup. But the... Anyway, uh, that's part two over. We'll be back probably for the meat of this podcast, part three, where we will kick off with, uh, with a, a nice little communication we got from a listener. First Woo-hoo! time we've ever got anything that we could read out on air. <laughs> so. That isn't just hate mail and please stop and stuff Death like threats. that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll start with that and that will open out the discussion in part three. Join us after the break. Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on one. 304 goals to find out what's new in the football world. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to part three of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Now, it's a first for the pod. We've had our first sensible <laughs> communication from a listener. What other show in the world can you send a question into and then you get a whole, whole section. section on it? So, Jan Ritzman, we salute you. Uh, this is Jan's uh, communication overnight. Hi, Andy. I love the podcast and think you all do a great job. Don't ever give it up. I'm going to print that out and put it on the wall. I have a question. With the Clive Palmer saga, the simulation debacle that only reminds people of simulation in football... The falling crowds, the Newcastle Jets' financial problems, the disgruntled foreign players, and despite the improving standard on field, how do you foresee the future of the A-League? Sure, people like playing football, watching the EPL and World Cups, but do you ever get a sense, especially in contrast to what you've seen around the world, that the A-League is just a lame horse waiting for the curtain and rifle? Of course, within the bounds of professionalism and given you and your colleagues undeniable efforts to promote and take the A-League seriously... Could you spend some time with a, a kind of where are we at discussion? Well, Jan, you've got your wish. Cue the where are we at discussion. <laughs> she makes a strong case. She's um, more articulate and eloquent than indeed, any of us. Yeah. Indeed. Get Jan in. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, you know, she raises some, some good points. You know, we've got the, okay, let's, let's deal with the financial side of things at the moment. We've mm-hmm. got Clive Palmer losing money, capping crowds. We've got uh, Khan Constantine putting his hands up this week saying, I need some help, FFA, which if you actually look at their crowds, it's not surprising. Um, you know, we've got the FFA, we've got Adelaide United and North Queensland Fury under complete ownership of the FFA. Um, where do we think we're at? We are limping From, along. Yeah. We're limping along at the moment. I think there's a, but having said that, I think the owners were aware of that and all signed up to it uh, at the time that, you know, it was still going to be a very piecemeal operation. Uh, until the new rights are sorted out and yeah. the World Cup bid is uh, decided one way or the other. Um, it's not a great situation to be in, but it's one I think that pretty much was expected in many ways. Uh, I don't think we should be putting up, pulling down the shutters and walking away yet for a long time yet. Uh, yeah. I think Con Constantine is also doing a bit of posturing as well. Uh, he's got several different issues on the go in Newcastle. And the Jets are just one of them. Well, also, do you not think that he's maybe looked at Clive Palmer and thought, this guy's the richest man in Australia, and he's put his hand out, and the FFA have gone in and helped? I think there is a bit of that, but I think he's also a proud man too, you know, mm. and uh, I think it was one of his proudest boasts that he hasn't been helped up to now. Uh, and the fact that he is now going with the begging ball out 
is a significant moment for Suggests him. Suggests that there is real issues there. Yeah. I, well, I, when he can't play the players, that that's a bad sign. I, I think, to a certain extent, though, from what I can gather, this is edge brinksmanship. You know, uh, he's using the players as uh, pawns in his little game of politics with the FFA and with Newcastle power brokers as well. Yeah. He's trying to force sponsorship deals out of people. He's trying to. Uh, Change the stadium deals. He's 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 got a lot of irons in the fire mm. at the moment, and unfortunately, it looks like the players are uh, suffering as a result. Two thousand and twelve was the big date in the Mayan calendar, wasn't it? Or the movie was That's about. It, it was two thousand and thirteen, yeah. I think, is the big date for Australian football, which is when the new TV rights is up for negotiation. And in hindsight, yeah, which is a wonderful thing. But back in two thousand and five, we lauded John O'Neill's result in oh. getting twenty million a season for. You know, eight years, I think it was at the time. It was 750 grand for the first season of the A-League. Yeah. When there were no other takers. So, oh, look, so you can only applaud Fox. They've done their job. They've got yeah. a very good deal. Um, the FFA had no other way of getting the revenue that they got without bundling in the Socceroos, which we can debate that, whether that is an issue that the Socceroos are taking off free to air. Um, I'd argue that it is. No, I'd say it wasn't. I mean, I don't think the the interest in the Socceroos has been degraded one bit by them not being in free to air. I think there's still as much excitement. If anything, there's more excitement and enthusiasm and interest in the Socceroos than there ever has been. But do you think that, that would still be the case? That that's a byproduct of two World Cup qualifications, not the fact they're on free to air. Yeah, well, we yeah need, but we it's need. irrelevant. You know, at the end of the day, if you put them on free to air, well, but I I coach twelve year old kids that are elite twelve year old kids, and half of them don't, can't get to watch Socceroos. If they're playing in Melbourne and they, and they haven't and their parents can't afford Foxtel, that to me is not a good situation. It's not a good situation in that sense, sure. But by the same token, the money that the uh, the deal with Fox brings in does more good to the sport as a whole, I think, uh, than. So 20 million a year is not enough to run 11 A-League clubs and, and national teams. Well, and I mean, I'll put it another way. I got my nieces, uh, have got Foxtel, full service, everything on it. Uh, my niece plays football on a Saturday morning. I went to Socrates training, got Harry Cool, Pim Verbeek and Tim Cahill's autographs on a picture of her playing football, presented it to her, told her who it was, and her face was blank. She didn't know who they were. And that kind of uh, shocked me a little bit. But kids are kids, you know. Um, when they're that age, it's a sport, it's fun. The, the maybe if they were on free to air, maybe she would have thought who they are. I'm surprised she that... Had, she had full access to it. Yeah. She had. She could see it anywhere. Mm. I'm surprised that the popularity of the Socceroos will get hit that much from, from being on Fox. But, you know, you have to admit that the Socceroos' success is so important to the A-League, isn't it? Them continuing to do well, continuing to generate money through doing well. If you break break down the deal now, at the time as well, there are only eight clubs, now there's 11, um, but the deal hasn't changed. When you compare it with, say, the Rugby League deal, the AFL deal, the AFL deal is, what, 1.2 billion? And I know they do, you can't really compare them. You can't compare. You can't compare the the way, at the time, the deal was done. At the time, there was nobody else competing. Mike was, I I think the deal was done for too long. Absolutely huge. I think it was done for too long. It was the only way that the deal would have been done at all, I think, to be honest. And I I genuinely don't have a problem with it. It would be nice to be able to renegotiate it. I think the fact that we've now, you know, we're up to 11 teams, we're going to be 12 teams next year, I think that should have been a position where. The FFA can go back and say, look, you're still going to have the games that we uh, negotiated for, but we're going to give these other games to free to air unless you come up with more cash. Yeah. Okay. Um, The simulation side of things. I mean, we've touched on this. Let's deal with this now. The FFA have come out and, and as as we all know now, have have banned Michael Baird and Patricio Perez uh, for two games um, for simulation. Now... We, we, you know, we've argued the case whether whether either you know either both were penalties. Um, my issue with this was that there were two players the previous week booked for simulation. Where was their ban? So are we saying that people only get bans if they're successful at simulation? No, I think I think there's an escalating warning going out. Last week they got 
players were getting booked for simulation. That was a warning. This weekend, players came into the, the round but, and but continuing to simulate but, uh, but, and, uh, got, uh, and got away with it. Uh, and they yeah. significantly, significantly changed the result of the games that they were in. Both, but, but that's both the thing. Are we, are only gonna, are we only going to retrospectively punish no, I, I th- I players think, that do it well? No, I think, or are I th- we going to be I consistent? really think we are, we're jumping the gun. And you know, we, we're hopefully, hopefully this is drawing a line in the sand for players and referees that, one, don't blow your whistle so bloody quickly, and two, don't go to ground so bloody quickly. Uh, and if you do, the consequences will be severe. Uh, in my ideal world, play on would be the call 90% of the time. Penalties and red cards should be the exception, not the rule. Yeah. Uh, and it's not the way it is in the A-League. There's far too many penalties, there's far too many red cards, there's too much manufactured controversy. Let's deal with the with the, you know, the, the process, Trev. Uh, the PFA have come out, and I, I, I back the PFA on this. Yep. You know, they've said that, that they fully support the stance against simulation. I think everyone is everyone yeah, in football is, everyone is, is against that. We know but that, yeah. what they're against is the fact that these guys had no appeal. I think they didn't have the chance to state their case to say, well, well, why did you know? Tell us why that wasn't a dive, you know, yep. and, and I think that that is. It's a yeah, dictatorial, that's, that's really, tyrannical that's system, form, you know, and it should never have been allowed to come through. I mean, they sneaked it under the radar. I had no idea it was being implanted this season. It could well have been included in a press release, but the FFA's press system is very clever. They will information overload you at times. They'll either manufacture the time that information, bad information is released, usually at 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, or they will throw so much information at you that you can't possibly cover all in one story or in one uh, yeah. hit. Uh, and this is one of these things that probably was you know, mentioned in passing at uh, the season debt launch some of the changes, you know, the streamlining of the match review panel system is probably what they called it. What the about the length, what about the length of the van? Two games? I think it, I think that's a, if it was simulation, then that's a fair uh, ban for somebody in the first instance. A, in this particular instance, then, no, I still think it's fair. Uh, I, yeah, yeah I, I, but having said that, I think we found evidence about the Perez case that I know the Mariners didn't have, I know the match review panel didn't have, uh, and because he was denied a chance to defend himself and di- denied an appeal, they never got to uh, look at that information and see if it would have changed their opinion. Uh, you can't make judgments unless you have all the information in front of you, and you can think you've got all the information, but if you're not giving the accused the chance to bring his own uh, information, you don't. Yeah. And also, you know, and I've read reports that the Mariners have obviously gagged Perez, but I, I sort of get the feeling, and, and I've, I've read this, I think it might have been on our site. Doesn't speak English that, anyway, does he? That he, you know, he's pretty distraught about this because he's, he's been labelled a cheat, he's had no chance to put his case forward, and, you know, and this is making headlines, you know, this is on FIFA.com about this, you know. And that's and his it, first game as well, and his first Yeah, yeah and, and I just think, I, I really enjoyed watching that kid play. <laughs> no, and I think I'm no, gonna, you know, no, I'm no, miss. That's a bullshit argument, though. I, I don't agree with special treatment for people. No, who I'm not saying special treatment. To be talented. No, I'm not saying special treatment. Mm, yeah. Yeah, there was contact. Yeah, yeah, there was. The refs made it, the, the, the ref has made the mistake, and and if the refs made the mistake, what's the difference between that and the ref making a mistake on a, pe- uh, on a free kick on halfway? Yeah, no. Are we going to retrospectively go back and? I just think that because it was a penalty. It was a game changer, you know. It, it was a very significant moment in the game. Whether or not Sydney were going to hold on to that lead is debatable right. because they scored again so, later on. So your point allowed. is that play on should have been the call. Yes. Right. So what you're saying is the mistake was with the referee. Yes. Not with Perez. Yeah. But it's Perez that's been banned for two games. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think he should be. I think. I think. Personally, I think is uh, because of the information that's come to light after the event. His ban should be suspended for two games. I still think he dived. I still think he overly exaggerated the the collision, the contact um, but that, in the that's, box to deceive the referee. That to me is the key. Is where do we draw that line between the was contact and the player has potentially exaggerated the contract contact, or there was no contact and the player has made it look as if there was. I don't that's think- to me. I think it, I think that grey area of there was contact and someone has milked that is so difficult to get into. Oh, absolutely. I, but I, yeah. I would like, for me, blatant simulation is when there was no contact at all 
and the player has made it look as if there was. That to me is blatant simulation. That, I agree, but by, by its definition, but that, you have simulated contact. But that is actually quite rare. I mean, that is. I mean, we could probably between the three of us, we could probably come up with about three examples. But but, that, but that to me is well, that's, that that, and that is, would take that, is, that would be a two foul. game ban. No, I don't think. Well, I think I would rather see six games, eight games for that kind of nonsense. But I still think that this exaggeration simulation. Instead of staying on your feet, instead of fighting for the ball, instead of trying to finish, exaggerated simulation is still a blight on our game, and it still deserves penalty. Uh, my first course of action, though, is always play on. And if the match review panel can go back afterwards and have a look at it and say, yeah, he did dive, he is quite clear, it's conclusive, we have footage that shows this, here's the footage, uh, he's not been able to provide anything to counter that. He gets a two-game ban. That's fine. Or he yeah. gets a six-game ban. Whatever. I, I just but think that this set precedent that's been set now is that you know we could, you know, we. I just think that that staying consistent is the hardest thing. For yeah, I just, th- I just I just think that for so that. long players play these guys from the age of eight who have been told that if there's contact in the box, go down. The ref's yeah, well, job to give it. That's, and, that's where the problem and, lies, you know. Yeah, but but okay, we, it's almost like we've that's why we don't have any we... strikers. We don't have a single bloody striker for the soccer. No, but this isn't the A League. Look at the, look at the Premier League. It doesn't happen in the Premier League in the same way. What players don't milk fouls in the Premier League? They don't get given them. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I I I disagree with that. I think that that, that you look at any league in the world. Look at the World Cup. You know, every every forward tries to milk every advantage. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not it's saying right. They, I'm not saying they don't try it. What I'm saying is they don't necessarily get them. All right. Well, let's let's look at the Premier League this week and compare it with the A League, and we'll we'll look at we can see like how many examples. penalties were there last week in the. Uh, uh, well, I don't know. I can well, think. Oh, of well, Lampard missed one. Drogba scored one. And so Kevin Jones. Hey, Darren Bent. Darren Bent. Yeah. But how many of them were dubious? The, the I, standard can't of, I genuinely can can't think of any, to be honest. The standard of refereeing, you know, in the Premiership is obviously going to be higher, so it's going to yeah. cut that out to a certain extent, but yeah. not completely. All right, well, we could argue about this all day, quite literally, and people on our forums still are. So uh, <laughs> if you want to have your say on it, just uh, just go and uh, head to the forums, au.442.com. Uh, thanks again, Jan, for uh, stimulating that debate, and uh, if you've got something that you'd like us to discuss... Uh, drop us an email and uh, we'll get it on air. So uh, join us after this break where we'll be back to preview uh, round five of the A-League. The season starts here with 442's ultimate companion to the big kickoff. Every A-League and EPL team is profiled, complete with all the fixtures, stats and expert opinion you need. Hear the views of Fox Sports Match Day Saturday team on the coming season and enjoy our look forward to the start of league action in Spain, Germany and Italy. Plus, we go one-on-one with Liverpool legend and TV super pundit Mark Lawrenson. If it's in the game, it's in 4-4-2. On sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 4-4-2 Insider. Well, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We are going to focus on the upcoming Round 5 of the Hyundai A-League. Um, kicking off on Friday at Blue Tongue Stadium will be uh, Patricio Perez-Less, Central Coast Mariners, uh, playing host to Melbourne Victory. Robbie Cruz looking to make his 50th Hyundai A-League appearance. Um, how do we see this one going, Trev? Um, yeah, victory always better on the road than they are at home, um, but Mariners have looked fairly solid um, early on. I, th- I think the victory might edge them out. I think if they can pull out a similar performance they did on, on the Gold Coast you know, last week. No, no Perez, not that they've had Perez early on anyway, but yeah, I, f- I fancy the victory for that one. Ken, we talked about you know, Perez's introduction pretty much transformed the game last week, and until that point the Mariners, well Mariners and Sydney had looked pretty devoid of ideas and creativity I mean do we think that without them they'll slip back to that no I mean the Mariners haven't been that bad a unit to be honest since uh, this season they've got a lot of uh, different players in there and the Perez things overshadowed the fact that Bozanic is uh, turning out to be a very good yep. signing uh, albeit he missed the open goal in the Perez penalty uh, call but uh, I think he's very good uh, I think Joshua Rose is also showing up well there's creativity there there's the, the seeds of a very good team 
Uh, I'm sure Arnie will turn it into a long ball spectacular soon enough. But you know he's got players with talent there. And I think that could come something could come of it. The interesting thing for this tie though is that there's talk from the uh, victory camp this morning that Ricardinho might be travelling up. Okay, uh, good. and could be making an appearance. Well, a couple of new Brazilians. Obviously, Sydney have confirmed uh, Bruno. Bruno, <laughs> that's up. <laughs> um, right, second game Saturday, five fifteen. Melbourne Heart uh, in tenth play host to North Queensland Fury in fourth. Goals. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, now, there's a couple of... Uh, which which I think is good to see. Um, both Melbourne Heart and Sydney FC are running uh, promotions for tickets this weekend. Melbourne Heart are offering half-price tickets um, to people that have been to the AFL qualifying final. Um, and Sydney FC are offering adults for kids' prices. Um, and I, I, I applaud this. I think, you know, we have to be realistic and realise that... You know, we are we're operating at the moment in the heart of final series for rugby league and AFL, and I think fair play to to both clubs for trying to do something to to prop the crowd numbers up during this time. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, what surprised me was that the crowd figures so far this season, even though we're in competition with the NRL, are actually not that far away from the whole over season average from last year. I thought we were doing much worse, but we're not actually doing mm. travelling as badly as I thought. Gold Coast Sid- cracked that, weren't they, the next <laughs> yeah. few weeks? Sydney, um, Sydney crows have been disappointing, though, I think. And, uh, they always are. It's like we've, we've, talk, we've talked about this for five years. It just doesn't seem to be a, a good time of day for them to have the matches. There doesn't seem to be a good match for them. There's so many different excuses. It's just the punters just, just aren't turning up. Uh, even the junior program doesn't seem to be working wonders. They had cleared the whole back away bay for the juniors' last match uh, against the Mariners. Nobody turned up. One couple. It's an evening match. Uh, I mean, what what can you do? Yeah. Uh, Can't do any more than make it free. Well, that's it. Uh, you know, even then you probably still wouldn't get twelve thousand. So um, uh, Melbourne Heart. North Queensland Fury, though, I think uh, there's an interesting contrast of uh, recruitment there. Queensland Fury have obviously gone through the, the young recruits because it's cheap for yep. them. Uh, Melbourne Heart have also got a lot of young recruits around a spine of experienced Experience, yeah. older players. Uh, but of course, they've got the problem at heart that the experienced older players are falling down with injuries, uh, leaving their younger recruits exposed. Their younger recruits are nowhere near as good as uh, Quinns and Fury's recruits. Fury have recruited so well. Mm. It's a great unit. Yeah, so uh, as Trev said, um, North Queens and Fury have now scored two, or, two goals or more in each of their past five A-League games. So you'd, uh, you'd argue that there's going to be goals there. Melbourne Hearts still looking for their first win, um, just failing to close out the game against Perth. Um, Sydney FC versus Adelaide. Sydney bottom, Adelaide second. Nicky Carl making his fifth. Hyundai A-League appearance uh, will we see the introduction of Bruno you'd think you'd probably have to really um, desperately need so have they got they won't have Bridge back will they but maybe Brosk is he back or? Brosk no. is not looking good I don't think uh, and I don't think Bruno's clearance of paperwork will be through really I don't think so I'm not seeing that Kofi Danning up front alone again yeah, yeah. 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 And, and that to me is you know, I think we said it before they've only got themselves to blame mm. they've let two centre forwards leave and then suddenly find out that short up front shocker and a couple of players pick up a knock you know yep. uh, how do we see it going it's difficult to call because Adelaide has started well and Sydney have started you know poorly but I think in terms of personnel you'd still think that Sydney have got enough to win it but oh no, no I, I think so. I'd, I'd, I'd probably say Adelaide if Adelaide uh, I think it'll be a draw nah I can see Adelaide winning actually 2-1 2-0 ok uh I just want to add, I'll, I'll run through the odds at the end actually um, Newcastle playing host to Brisbane now um, obviously it's been a tough week for the Jets the current said that there are some issues and uh, and their CEO has now come out and asked the, the Newcastle public to get behind them and support um, they've never really got beyond sort of a few finals games the crowds that you'd probably expect up there considering it is you know everyone talks about it as a, as a hotbed of football which it is Northern New South Wales Um how do you see this going on the pitch, Trev? Um, yeah, I mean the, the Jets have not, you know, flown out the traps of the start of this season, but I still think they'll, they'll have a reasonable year. You know, perhaps mid-table sneaking into the finals, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I fancy Brisbane to go there and perhaps sneak it one nil. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think you've got to fancy uh, Brisbane. They're playing a nice brand of football. 
Spain of the Way League. Um, Spain of the Way League. There we go. <laughs> um, With Matt Mackay as Chavi. <laughs> <laughs> but the Jets, uh, the strange thing for them, I find, is that they're struggling to find goals. Uh, you know, they've only scored one, uh, as far as I can see. Uh, which is pretty dismal, really. Uh, but they've only conceded two as well, which, given their goalkeeping stocks, is pretty good. Yeah. And the final game on Sunday night. Pick of the round, If isn't there it? was ever a banker, if there was ever any such thing as a banker in the <laughs> A-League, you would say Perth at home to Wellington would be a home win. Four three with Phoenix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Phoenix pick up their well, ninth away I mean, win. Phoenix, as we've said earlier, awful on the road. Perth, very very strong at home and top of the league. Can anyone see anything other than a Perth victory? Certainly wouldn't predict anything other than a Perth victory, but uh, yeah, I can see. <laughs> you can't guarantee anything in their league, but yeah. Oh, you'd say. Oh, you'd say I mean, I've got the uh, latest odds from Sporting Bet here, and uh, Perth pay, paying a dollar ninety three. As soon as you really, as soon as you nearly that. double in your money. Go. That's pretty good odds, actually. Yeah, okay. even money, pretty much. Wellington are $3.85, and the draw's $3.30. Just run through the other games quickly. Mariners are $2.80 to beat uh, Melbourne. Melbourne are $2.40, and the draw's $3.30. Melbourne Heart, 2 bucks. North Queensland, $3.65, really? uh, and the draw's $3.30. Sydney are $2.05. Uh, Adelaide are $3.50 to win. And the draws three dollars thirty. Newcastle two dollars forty five to win at home against Brisbane. Brisbane two dollars seventy five, and the draw is three thirty. I'd probably say value bets there would be um, potentially North Queensland away at Melbourne Heart, Adelaide away at Sydney, and Perth at home to Wellington. Definitely, Definitely. I'd, I'd, I'd lock in Perth, and I don't know if they've got a price on the. Might have a little sneaky treble on that. I was yeah. just thinking that. That's good value. Yeah. Um, good value. The Melbourne Heart Fury game. I don't know if they've got a price on four goals or more anywhere. I know you haven't got it to hand. I haven't got it to hand. I'm sure they would have. Yeah. And then the final thing that we just want to promote, they did this this season, QBE, a long-time supporter of football out in WA, um, are doing their quiz striker again. So if you think you know about the A-League, uh, you can win a trip to the Hyundai A-League Grand Final and some monthly prizes. Uh, just head to qbequizstriker.com.au or there'll be some ads on our website. Uh, I had a crack at this last year. Didn't get anywhere near winning. Very disappointing. But... Uh, but we'll all be having a go at it. So if you think you know your trivia about the A League, then uh, and Socceroos, just head to that. How unfair would it be if you won a trip to the Grand Final? <laughs> <laughs> you would have been going to anyway. I'd have taken it as well. <laughs> we'll put it in. Redraw, redraw. That's fine. All right, well that's it. It's been a massive week for football. I'm sure this weekend. Who knows what this weekend? Are. Oh, nearly forgot. Socceroos. Socceroos. Yeah. Two yeah, Socceroos yeah, yeah. games. So much going on in the A League. So. Friday nights as well, which I like. I like the early Saturday morning. Who plays Australia matches on a Friday night? No, they've all this moved. This has fooled me. No, no, they've all moved. The, the European qualifier games have all moved to Friday and Tuesday now. So they get back to their clubs a day earlier for the weekend games. It makes sense. I but, like it. But, yeah. Because uh, my other half me. works on Saturday, so it'll be like... See ya. See you love. <laughs> Roll back into bed. Two games of football. England versus Bulgaria. Socceroos versus Switzerland. Um, two good tests, you'd say, Switzerland and Poland. It's going to be an interesting match, actually. Um, I think, you know, they should be uh, good levels for us. Um, but it's also a good uh, introduction for Holger. Yeah. Nothing really riding on these results either. So it really is the softest, gentlest uh, entry point for him. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. a chance for him to spend a week with the players, get to know, maybe sort of, you know, impart a bit of how he wants them to play, which maybe we'll see. You know, be interested to see what formation he sends them out in. I reckon it'll be an observation, more of an observational match, to be honest. I, I fully expect us to do the whole 4 2 3 1 fairly. But who's going to be the one? No Kill, no. Uh uh, no Kennedy Scott s- McDonald suspect it's probably going to be poor old Scott which McDonald we he, he he that role, yeah. which we know he loves which he's not effective in and not very good at so uh, we'll look forward to that so uh, I mean, do, is there anything we're looking forward to seeing or we really want to see that we would sort of go okay well that's you know, maybe that's some signs for the future I, I would like to see Tommy Orr getting a good run yep. to be honest uh, I'd even like to see him start uh, if possible Spranovic uh, I'd also like to see him start I think the more fresh blood we can get in there the better but uh, having said that Holger does need to see what he thinks would yeah, be our best yeah he's, he's uh, senior pros yeah, as well he's got to be able to, to cast an eye over them and see how they 
uh, mesh and then bring in new blood. So, yep. you know, people being for the new blood immediately, jumping the gun a bit. Exactly, he's got to see what he's got first. But in terms of result, I'll be surprised if Switzerland don't win that. Pittsfield's a, a really yeah. good coach yeah. and, you know, he's been there for a while and I, I think he'll, he'll have an idea of what he wants to play. So, yeah, Switzerland's a good tip for the, for the win. All right, well, massive weekend of football. We forgot about the Socceroos for a minute. That's how good the, that's how wrapped up in the A League we are. At that's the how brilliant the A League. Is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for coming in, Kev. Good to have you on board as always. And uh, enjoy the A League, and we'll be back next week to uh, discuss it in more detail. Thanks for joining us. Four Four Two Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.